Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. We are delighted to have Evian Whitney joining us for a conversation today. Evian is a sexuality doula, a sex educator and facilitator, and a witch. She launched a movement on Instagram a while back called the Sensual Selfie Challenge, which radicalized the perspective of the selfie. We are so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. When you guys reached out and told me that you wanted me on your podcast, I was like so excited because I'm like, oh my God, sex magic. I love talking about this stuff. So yeah, thank you for having me. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so one of the first questions that I like to ask our guests is how were you brought up spiritually slash religiously? And what does your spiritual practice look like now? Yeah, I was uh, born and raised into a Christian Protestant home. So um, it's it's a really interesting thing. Like my parents were, it's, it's hard because when I say that they're religious, I think people in their mind think that like they were going to church every single Sunday and we were praying all the time. And actually our household in terms of those like religious traditions of reading the Bible, going to church as a family, were pretty relaxed. But when it came to me and my sister, my parents were very, very strict about us being raised within the church. So like we were going to church like two to three times a week at their like youth groups, or we were doing like um, church functions, we were going to camps and Mm -hmm. doing volunteer work. And also the the ethos behind my parents, um, just like their discipline and the way that they reared us was very involved with, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, just very biblical. But mm-hmm. like on, like, just like looking from the outside in, you wouldn't have guessed that because my parents were just like really relaxed. And I mean, we, we were listening to all different kinds of music. But um, yeah, so I was, I was definitely given kind of both worlds in the sense of like having sort of relaxation, but also having that strictness too. And I'm seeing that kind of play out the older that I get that I had these really strict um, rules that I had to subscribe to and live by when I was growing up. But I also had some things that like, you know, I've talked to other people who were raised in religious and strict households. And I'm like, that was never an issue for me. So it was like, it was like a strict hybrid that my, my parents created uh, for us. And um, these days, um, I am working a lot with like ancestral worship. Um, I, I, I'm a little shy to call myself a witch these days because I feel like my... Mm, like the practices that I do, I just don't know if I have enough of, um, enough of a practice, enough of a ritual to actually call myself, witch. I just like, I, I really take the word witch very seriously. And, um, mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people that just likes to throw around a word willy nilly and like adopt it as mine. So I, I want to be very intentional about the language that I use, whenever I'm talking about like my spiritual practices and and what I'm dabbling into. But what I will say is that like, I am really open and in this really exciting exploratory phase of thinking about ancestral worship, uh, Afro-Indigenous spiritual practices. And um, recently, like I've been really trying to get back into like reading tarot and following my intuition and being like very, connected to the cycles of the moon. I feel like I go, sometimes I'm like really, really pumped and like I go hard with this stuff. And other times I kind of take a step (laughs) back and I, I reevaluate my relationship to these things. And it just so happens Mm -hmm. that you caught me at a time where I'm like really excited. I had an, an amazing reading done a few weeks ago. Uh, by a medium named Juju, uh, her podcast, a little Juju is like 
my favorite podcast of all time. But um, yeah, we had she gave me this really beautiful session where she was reading me about my ancestors and and things like that. And ever since that call, I've just been like on fire about my spiritual practice. Oh, wow, oh I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love doing ancestral work, and I think it is it is so healing. And and one of the things that I learned when I was in. Um, I did a plant medicine apprenticeship program. One of the things that we learned was that when you work on healing yourself, that it has a ripple effect and heals your ancestral line as well. Yes. And so it's a really wonderful way to integrate, um, you know, not just connecting to your ancestors, but kind of connecting to the collective mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's so exciting. I'm so glad you had such a wonderful reading. Yeah, it was great. I I had never been read or had a divination session with a medium before. So it was quite the experience. Like I've had lots of divination sessions before. Like I've had someone who, you know, read my astrology chart. I've had multiple tarot card readings done on me. Like, but this was the first time that I had a reading with someone who was speaking directly to me um, using and channeling the voice of my ancestors. And there was this moment in the reading where she said something. I can't even remember. No, she said to me, oh, your ancestors are here and they are like really, really chatty. They're so excited to talk to you. I had like a visceral response in my body. Like I felt like I was about to cry. I felt like I was about to like laugh. It just, it just felt so it just felt so embodied and so visceral. And so that's when I knew that like, oh yes, this shit is real. And also this woman who was doing this incredible work, like she, she's on it. So yeah, it was, it was such an amazing experience and I highly recommend her to anyone because she's doing such important work. That is so awesome. (laughs) So I guess kind of a switching to the sexuality kind of portion of this you identify as um a sexuality doula and I'd love for our listeners to kind of uh have a definition of that Mm -hmm. yeah so um I the way that I define sexuality doula is someone who works through the same sort of transitions uh, that other doulas work through, like that transition from not yet a parent to a parent, that transition from life to death. Um, I work through transitions of stepping, helping people step out of sexual shame, sexual fear, sexual confusion and dysfunction and into uh, sexual liberation. And the modality that I kind of use with that is like a hybrid of coaching and counseling, a little bit of therapy. And also there's this aspect of me channeling my own intuition and like bringing in, honestly, my own inner wisdom and the wisdom of my ancestors with me through these calls. So I prefer to have the term sexuality doula used because I feel like it speaks more to the ways that I work, which is super holistic. And um, it's sort of like something that I've, cre- like a practice that I've created that just feels really good to me as opposed to using other words. Like when I first started doing this work, I was calling myself a sexuality coach or a sex coach. And mm-hmm. while there's still some parts of me that resonate with the meaning underneath the term sex coach, um, the, the label itself, the words themselves were like not at all resonant with me. And so it just so happened that I was, um, friends at the time with multiple doulas and I was talking to one of them about how I, uh, really despised calling myself a sexuality coach or a sexuality or a sex coach. And, um, I was just describing to her, like, what I do and and how I work with my clients and how I teach Mm. workshops and facilitate these talks and things like that. And she was like, Evian, you're like, basically you're doing doula work, you know, like totally, Mm -hmm. basically she affirmed to me that what I intuitively knew that calling myself a coach just wasn't it. And um, I was very, very grateful that she 
gifted me that language and really liberated me and helped me see that, yeah, like I get to choose how I show up with this work and I get to create my work from my own image. And so, um, yeah, I've been calling myself a sexuality doula pretty, pretty, for pretty much about the same time that I, that I've been doing this work, which has been over eight years. So it's, it's been, it's been a really wonderful terminology for me to use that really just connects um, me to the work that I do. And also I think it, it, it makes sense to the clients and the people that come across me as well. Like I've heard people say that they love the language of sexuality doula. I think there's just something that happens inside of us that we just like get it when we hear it, you know, mm-hmm. or we soften, like we don't really know what it is, but we soften to, to that language. So yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that I get to to call myself this and and pioneer myself as a sexuality doula. And hopefully I will start teaching other people how to do the same. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Um, oh, I always forget to say for Alice and Bella here. Um, I'm wondering, could you tell us a little bit about your own kind of sexual journey, if you're comfortable and how that has informed your work? Yeah. So I originally started this work because I was one of those people who had what they would call a dysfunctional sex life. Um, I had this weird period where I was having a lot of sex and it seemed like I was being very reckless with the sex that I was having. And then the moment that I entered into a healthy, long-term committed relationship with a person who is now my husband, that's when like my sex drive just like disappeared. And I- the time hmm. I didn't really understand what was happening. I was like, this is so weird. What is wrong with me? But now that there has been many, many years in between that time and, and now, I, I know what was going on for me, which was I was waking up to the fact that I had been previously sexually traumatized and abused in my past relationship. Um, I was dealing with a lot of shame around my sexuality because of the way that I was brought up. Uh, in the church and given these certain ideas about my body and my sexuality and virginity and all of those things, it almost seemed as though as soon as I entered into this relationship, all of those like old traumas and fears and shames like activated. And I was suddenly like, oh my God, I am really screwed up. Like I have a lot of hangups and issues with sex. And so Originally, I started my website from a place of wanting to heal my sexuality. Originally, my website was called Sex Love Liberation, and it was like created for me to chronicle my own sexual healing and awakening because I really Mm -hmm. wanted to, I really wanted to fix myself. I really wanted to educate myself and I wanted to um, come, like get to the bottom of what was keeping me from being sexually free. And in in this process of chronicling my journey, And in this process of like writing very vulnerably and transparently about how I was healing myself and the demons that I was wrestling with and the shame that I was trying to release, uh, I was getting a lot of people who were telling me that they resonated deeply with what I was saying. And then I was also getting people who were asking me, hey, uh, how can we work with you? Like, you should write a book or you should teach a workshop or I would love to work one-on-one with you to help my sexuality. And uh, I was very shocked by that response because, you know, I, 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 at the time, and I still kind of don't consider myself an expert because like, what is an expert anyway? Who is an expert? Um, <laughs> but like, I, I was so distanced from seeing myself as a leader here. Like I was so, I was like, man, I'm, I'm so broken. Like there's still so many things that I don't know. Like I, I haven't reached that, that pinnacle of sexual healing. Why do these people trust me? Why do these people think that I can, um, that I can lead them into their own sexual awakening and sexual Mm -hmm. healing. And, you know, I kept getting these responses and, um, after a while, I was working with a mentor and I was telling her about this and she was like, Evian, like, this is you, like you are a healer. You like, this is the work that you're supposed to be doing. You are being called to do this work for a reason, trust it 
and, um, and have fun with it. And so I was still really unsure and I wasn't sure how this was going to work or if even I could do this, but I decided to take a risk and, and begin, um, doing that sort of leadership work. I started, I wrote a book, like a, an ebook and, um, I created a course and then I started working with people one-on-one and it was so natural and just incredibly kismet the way that I just like stepped into those shoes as a healer and a facilitator. Like my very mm-hmm. first session right before I was about to start, I was like, I'm going to bomb. Like, this is going to suck. These people are going to ask for their money back. And they only paid me like $15 because I was like, I'm going to charge the least amount that I can because I want there to be like, no, like, I don't want there to be any like expectation that I'm going to be good at this. And um, I was really freaked out. And Mm -hmm. then after the session was over, I was like, oh my God, I think I think I'm like, I want to do this. Like, I think I'm good at it. And I also think that I just helped this person. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got started. And I've been walking that path of both helping others liberate themselves while simultaneously liberating myself through the work that I do with others. Like my, all of my clients teach me so much about myself and um, they inspire me to continue this process of healing and questioning and releasing and challenging these notions that my sexuality isn't right or that I don't deserve to take up space. And so what I love so much about the work that I do is that I am learning through teaching and um, there's a reciprocal aspect Mm -hmm. in everything that I do, um, but particularly with the clients that I work with where I don't even think that they realize it, but they give me so much and they inspire me so much and they help me heal so much as we are both like in the space of, of this like healing partnership together. Wow. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm so inspired by your journey and I have so many uh, like archetypal things coming up. Like uh, the way you kind of described the beginning of your journey as a healer really is similar to the hero's journey. Yes, um, yes I don't I'm know familiar. If you, that, and the, you know what's so funny is that when I was working with my mentor, she that was the language that she kept using. Like we were working a lot around the hero's journey. And at the time, I didn't really understand what that meant. I was like, what is this? But like that was, and obviously I know much more about it now, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I completely resonate with that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if um, any of our listeners don't know, but like the first like three to four like steps of the hero's journey is like you're in the ordinary world and you have a call to adventure. Then there's the refusal of the call. And so in your case, it was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to, if I'm claiming this title, but you meet with the mentor, it's literally the next step. And then you cross the threshold. And this kind of brings me into the work of, of a doula and the doula's role is um, you know, mm, guiding right. through transitions and sometimes that's birth, sometimes that's death. And I love that you've integrated, you know, a sexual journey into that as well. And I think of the goddess Hecate, who is the goddess of the thresholds. And um, yeah, there's just so many like symbols coming to me. And I think that the work that you're doing is so important. And um, yeah, yeah. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for witnessing that. And um yeah, just there's so many synchronicities around the work that I do. And it really, like, people often ask me, how did you do this? Like, how did you get into this work? And I like to tell people that um, I didn't wake up one day and was like, I'm going to be a sexuality doula when I grow up. Like, I, the trajectory of my work and my (laughs) career and my interests were not going in that direction at all. But um, I, I really feel strongly that this work chose me and that I am just like heeding that call. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I try to do in every session, and even that, not even just in the sessions that I do, but just in the workshops that I teach and the speaking gigs that I do is mm-hmm. like, I really just want to be used because I feel like this work is not mine. You know, like it is mine, but it's also, there, there are certain times when I'm in session with a client or when I'm teaching a workshop where I feel like I'm channeling something. And so because of that, like I have so much Mm -hmm. respect for the beings, the power that be that, um, 
that brought me to this work. And I do the best that I can not to have like an, an attachment to um, like an ego in terms of this. Like, I really feel like, okay, well, like I've been called, I've been chosen, totally use me. And it's one of, also one of the reasons why I don't like to call myself mm-hmm an expert. I, I, many people have called me an expert and a guru and a sexpert. And I'm like, please don't call me that because I, I mean, sure. I'm a little further along in my journey than some people are when it comes to their sexual liberation and healing, but I'm still learning too. And, um, there's Mm -hmm. still so many parts of me that need healing as well. And so, yeah, I really try to, um, just have so much honor and respect for this work and also a little bit of a ta- or detachment from it so that I'm, I, cause I, I realize that like this work is, is not of me. Like I'm seriously channeling some stuff, whether that is from like the universe or my own ancestors or just my own deep inner wisdom yeah. that like, it's, it's, it's not mine to claim, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is there was such an interest in the connections between sexuality and spirituality. And I think that there is something happening in mm-hmm. the like collective consciousness right now where we need to work through these mm-hmm. things, maybe even together. Um, I wanted to bring up, so on your um on your platform, like on your Instagram, you mm-hmm. recently posed a question about freedom and when do you feel the most free through your senses? And your podcast mm-hmm. is called The Sexually Liberated Woman. And so all of these themes and ideas of liberation and freedom in regards to sexuality um, are coming up. And I, I would love it if you could talk a little bit more about why why those themes are vital for us as a generation. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the things that, that I say <laughs> a lot in my work is that like, our sex lives, our sexuality, our sexual expressions are like one of the last places that we begin to heal ourselves. Like we're so focused as a culture, even these days about uh, like wellness and self-care, but we somehow seem to mm-hmm. overlook or completely ignore the fact that our sexual, our sexualities, our sex lives are a huge part of our wellness. They're a huge part of our self-care. And it's been really, really cool to see folks waking up to this more. Um, and it's hard for me to, to know whether or not we as a culture at large are waking up to this, or I'm just like surrounded by a lot of badass people who are doing this work. Like, you know, like sort of like I'm in my own bubble of radical sex positive um, rebel rousers mm-hmm. that are like making change like this. But I definitely have seen a lot mm. more. I, and I think that, that this is really true. Like when I first started doing this work, not even just like as a facilitator, but just trying to heal myself, there wasn't a lot of stuff out there. I mean, there are a lot of books. Uh, there are a lot of books and articles about like how to give people the best blowjobs or how to have multiple orgasms. But in terms of like sexual wellness, in terms of like healing your sexuality, in terms of like creating a sexual identity and a sexual expression that feels really good to you and that is connected to you, I didn't get any of that kind of stuff um, back in the day. And that wasn't that long ago. I mean, this was like Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. So it's really, really cool to see that there are more people out there, more sex educators who are doing this work, more uh, trauma specialists that are helping folks um, reconcile with and heal the sexual trauma that they have sustained over their lifetime so that they can begin to have a sexually free and sexually expansive um, existence within their sexuality. It's really, really cool. And I just wish that I had had that 10 years ago. And that's honestly one of the reasons why I started doing this work, because so much of my upbringing, like I didn't really have comprehensive sex education. I mean, my sex education was abstinence only, like don't get pregnant, don't have sex. And if you do have sex, you are going to hell. Um, And if you do have sex and you and before you go to hell, you are going to get pregnant or you're going to die. So um, part of me wanted to do this work on behalf of the 
young girl who wasn't able to get this kind of support, who wasn't able to get this kind of like non-judgmental guidance as she was like figuring out like who she was as a sexual person and what her needs were. Um, so I don't, I have no idea if that, that I even answered your question because I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent, but yes, we are definitely seeing an insurgence of, um, of this beautiful work. And I think it really has to do with the fact that, you know, we've, this, this, we've been doing this work for a long time. It's just, I think also with the internet, it's made things a lot more present and a lot more accessible, you know, cause like back in the day for me, if I wanted to find stuff about, sex or whatever, like I had to read a book. And these days you can just like go on Instagram, which is like pretty rad. It's amazing. I feel like uh, the internet really is uh, like a magical place. And the fact that so many like uh, spiritual witchy, like people can connect and share these things that were, you know, just like 20 years ago seen as, um, you know, weird or taboo can can have a place to mm-hmm. a safe space almost. Um, so yeah, the internet is magical. What whatever niche you're in, too, because yeah, there's yeah. there's all kinds of places on the internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm wondering what what are the things that we have to work through when we are seeking the liberation of our our sexuality? I, I feel like themes of like obviously like shame and um, how we, how we grew up, whether it be um, if we grew up in a religious background that wasn't necessarily sex positive, but I'm curious, like what are the things maybe that you've seen from the, the clients that you've worked with? That yeah. I mean, have to the work thing through? that I hear the most uh, and the, I think the reason why people originally come to me is because they want to, not be so much in their head about sex and they want to be able to be in their body and enjoy the the sensations and and be able to trust that like they're allowed to have that pleasure to be able to like really sink into that and claim that pleasure as theirs and oftentimes what i found in my practice is that the what's keeping folks from being in their bodies is uh trauma you know we've all been sexually traumatized in some capacity, whether that is through some physical act that we didn't consent to, or through the ways that we have Mm -hmm. been shamed and have been taught to feel ashamed of sex and our sexuality. Like I originally, when I started this work, I was thinking that like, you know, sexual trauma only looked like something happening to your physical body, but these days i'm i'm expanding that definition to also mean like what happens to your spiritual body you know um cuz when i think about the ways that i was stifled i was shamed i was um i was made to feel wrong about my sexuality and just the fact that i'm a very sensual person like that is traumatic like to have someone tell you that who you are fundamentally is wrong is sinful and that you're going to hell for it if you don't try to manage it or or restrict it that is incredibly traumatizing so one of the things that i do one of the first places that i start with my clients is trying to bring some healing to the body, um, trying to bring a sense of self-trust back to the body while also gently beginning to unpack and like shake the foundations of those old traumas and those old stories, because we all have them, whether we, whether we are conscious of them or not, whether they're rearing their ugly heads every single day, like we have all, especially if we are women, especially especially if we are queer, especially if, um, we are, we are femme, like we have all been told some kind of bullshit about our bodies, about our sexuality. And, um, yeah, I think, I think one thing that I was trying to do when I was in this position of healing my sexuality was trying to find external sources to heal my sexuality. So like an example would be that, I thought that if I just found the perfect sex toy, or if I just found the right position, or if I just started to do 
I don't know, tantric breathing with my partner that it would unlock my, it would, it would (laughs) unlock my sexual radiance. Like it would unlock my sexual genius. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us still believe that, like we believe that, oh, I just need a sex toy or I just need to find the right lube or I need to watch the right porn. And I mean, those things are tools and they can certainly help, but they're not going to the root cause of what is keeping you from being sexually free. And so the moment that I, d- I took um, like time to actually examine the ways that I have been um, taught to feel ashamed of my body and ashamed of my sexuality, that's when I saw my sexuality just completely shift and transform and it became mine again, you know? So I really like to work with people Mm. with the body first, with that self-trust aspect first, with healing and reconciling their sexual traumas first. And then we can get to the good stuff. Then we can get to the the lubes and the sex toys and the play parties. (laughs) But first we kind of have to dig in and, and do some heavy challenging work. That's so potent. So I just wanted to backtrack a little bit. I have been really interested to hear you speak. And for any of our listeners that haven't checked out your podcast, please go check it out. It's amazing. It's called Sexually Liberated Woman. Your episode with Kristen Soleil, I was so curious to hear during that one, you touch a little on feeling uncomfortable taking up space with terms like queerness and which, and a couple of other things, would you mind like speaking a little bit more about that? I think that's really integral for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I feel like I touched on that a little bit earlier when I was talking about my spiritual practice and how I wasn't quite comfortable calling myself a witch. Um, and the other word was a slut as well, because I think our, um, my understanding of those words and just based on the ways that um, those words are expressed or or those identities are expressed, it doesn't often look like this sort of life that I have. So I think for me, I when I, I when I first came to thinking about calling myself a witch, I was really intrigued by it. I really loved the idea of it. Uh, and it just felt really radical. It felt really subversive, <laughs> especially because of how I was raised spiritually. So there was, a, oh that yeah, that makes sense. Like, like rebelling against it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a giant fuck you to like these patriarchal colonized religions. Um, it felt really, really cool. And then, and then I, I had this period in my spiritual practice where I was, I realized that a lot of the practices that I was doing were not really rooted in my own truth and what I wanted. It felt more like I was going along with what society, what capitalism, what consumerism was telling me to do. Like, this is what a witch looks like. A witch has these things and a witch buys these crystals and a witch gets these tarot decks. And um, I kind of had a little bit of a crisis within my spiritual practice because I was like, shit, if I strip all of these gadgets and these crystals and these decks away, do I still have a spiritual practice? And the answer at the time was no. Like I, so much of my spiritual practice was rooted in these Mm -hmm. things. And I mean, of course, that's not to shade anyone who uses things. I love a good tarot deck and I love all of my crystals, but like to feel that I am only allowed or that, that my, the only way that I'm accessing my spirituality is through these particular things that are like outside of me. I don't know. I just had this moment of like, man, there, there's some stuff that needs to be unpacked here. And so that's when I actually took a step back from calling myself a witch because I really wanted to get right with my own understanding of what a witch is and not feel so pressured and so, um, I don't know, connected to the different, like the, the society's ideas and understandings of what a witch is. Because I think I started to buy into the whole consumerism aesthetic Mm -hmm. of a witch versus like actually doing Mm -hmm. the work, you know, and so much of witch work is not like acrylic nails and Mm -hmm. Instagram (laughs) selfies with crystals, you know, like it's hard work. It's, it takes dedication. It takes commitment. It takes 
really listening to yourself and like being able to create a practice that um, is rooted in particular lineages and teachings and, and things like that. And there's also like the cultural appropriation aspect of it that I was thinking about, about how so many of the practices that I was doing at the time were just like, just like totally whitewashed. And so these days, now that I'm like super excited about um, my spiritual practice as a result of the divination that I got a few weeks ago, I'm feeling a little bit more called to claiming myself as a witch again, but only because I had to go through that really hard trial of realizing that who I thought I was as a witch was, it didn't belong to me. It wasn't, it wasn't my definition. It wasn't resonating with me. It was someone else's definition. And that definition was rooted in consumerism, consumerism. It was rooted in capitalism. It was rooted in white supremacy. And so now that I have begun to disentangle myself from those things, it's starting to feel a little bit more accessible for me to use, use that word. And same with the words queer and slut. I mean, I, I think I have a little bit of imposter syndrome around all of those words, which queer and slut, because, um, you know, I, when it comes to my queerness, there's so many parts of my queer identity that just doesn't quote unquote look queer, you know, like I'm in a relationship with a, um, a cis guy, you know, and I'm often read as, uh, being straight passing and, uh, it can be really difficult for me to feel like I am queer enough, just like it can be really difficult for me to feel like I'm a witch enough or that I'm a slut enough, you know? And so um, I loved that conversation that I had with Kristen because one, it was such a good conversation about cats. Oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> I like the the most fun conversation I've had on my podcast um, for sure. And then like, it was really cool for us both to talk openly and transparently about our own struggles, feeling like we're not witchy enough or slutty mm -hmm. enough. Um, and I feel like she gave me a really good pep talk that I kind of come back to um, every once in a while, just thinking about how I get to define who I am as a witch. I get to define who I am as a slut and who I am as a queer person. And um, it's hard for me to remember that sometimes. And so that's why I'm really glad that Kristen gave me that reminder. And I get to listen to it because I have a podcast episode on it. <laughs> I love that. And I think it's so important that we don't just claim any of these titles because they're trendy. You know, we've talked about this on the podcast recently, you know, with urban outfitters and stores like that selling like witch kits. I think we can really yes. easily get lost into what even is a witch. So I really appreciate how vulnerably and tenderly you are expressing to everybody your journey of, I would say, reclamation. of Yeah, for sure. Yes. yes. Do you have any kind of personal practice around sex magic? Oh, um, I do. Mm -hmm. um, I... I've been really interested in exploring. Well, okay, I'll tell I'll tell you what I am doing already, and then I'll tell you what I'm excited about and what I'm what I'm starting to explore. So, what I have been doing is using sex as a way to like heal and restore my body because not even just in the sense of like having an orgasm, but being able to. Um, yeah, being able to give myself permission to be in my body just feels like such a radical act, especially because I live in my head a lot of the times. I'm doing work that has me in my head a lot of the times. And so I've been using sex and the magic of sex to help me connect to my body, help me connect to my partner, and also help like... Um, heal the relationship that I have with my body and heal the relationship that I have with my body when is when it is interacting with my partner because of you know the sexual trauma I have experienced in my life it's it feels really important for me to use sex as a tool to help me come back to sexual healing sexual liberation and I do I use that with a lot of intention so it's not necessarily like particular rituals that I do within that sex act or 
tools that I use within that sex act. It's a lot of me affirming myself in that space. Like, yes, I want this. And yes, I, I am sexual. And yes, my sexuality deserves to be expressed and played with. And um, I, I've been really enjoying playing with affirmation and using intention to create those sexual healing spaces for myself and for my partner as well. Um, and then the other thing that I'm really excited to explore, I haven't really gotten very much into it and I would love it if you have any tips for me, but, um, manifesting with orgasm. Like I'm, I know that like, like, I know that orgasms are powerful. Like I know that they, there's an energy behind them that can create shit in this world, like the best shit in this world. And so oh, I've been yeah. really geeking out about abundance and um, wealth and changing my money mindset and getting rid of my scarcity mindset. And I've been really intrigued by this idea of using orgasm to help me manifest, not just money and abundance, but the the dreams that I have, the wishes that I have, the um, collaborations that I want with people. But I haven't actually really played with that. So um, yeah, if you have any tips or ideas, I would love to. Um, I would love to hear them. Yeah, it's funny. Do you know the expression like leaving money on the table? Yes. But I feel like you're already doing so much of this work, like not using your orgasms for manifestation is just like leaving manifestation energy. On the <laughs> yeah, table. I agree. I agree. I mean, it sounds like you're already like getting pretty into some of these practices, I would definitely recommend using it. One of the ways that I love to use orgasms for energy and manifestation, and maybe Tosca has some recommendations too, is during a mindful masturbation session, I will have a very specific intention in mind. And yeah, like it might be career-based or it could just be something that I want to bring more of into my life, like an energy of playfulness, for example. Mm -hmm. And then I'll visualize the energy moving through all of my chakras. And then when I feel myself like approaching orgasm, I'll try to focus on the chakra that to me intuitively resonates the most with what I'm trying to manifest. And mm -hmm. I sort of like shoot my orgasm out through that chakra and into the universe and then I just trust that it'll happen and I just try to leave it be after that and not, you know, fuss around it. Oh, this is so juicy. I'm going to try this. Oh my <laughs> Let God. Let us know how it yes. goes. Yeah, I will. Thank you for sharing that. That is so comprehensive and like easy. I can do that. So, yeah, it's so fun. So I have a, I have a money ritual that is really powerful and we actually shared it on our Instagram live that we did a little while back and I, think I haven't told the podcast about it directly so um the symbol of the egg is really really potent for fertility but not just for like your body's fertility but also you can interpret that with like financial abundance as well and so um this was like I'm a really intuitive, like ritual person. Like sometimes I'll wake up and just be like, I'm immediately baking bread because it's like what I need to do without even thinking like why, but mm, so your bread is so good. <laughs> so one morning I remember I was like, maybe like 22 or so. And I did not have a great relationship with money at that point. But my, I found this golden Easter egg like around my house because my roommate at the time just had like all kinds of crazy little knickknacks. <laughs> and I was just like a golden egg, like I need to use this. So I, I took the golden egg and this is something that you can get on Amazon or if you'd like, you can paint your own egg and, you know, kind of just like a Ostara Easter practice sort of thing. Um, but what I did was I took this plastic golden egg and I wrote down I did a whole ritual and I'm a green witch and so I incorporated some some herbs that are really potent for activating the solar plexus um so I used a lot of calendula and cinnamon and ginger root and I sprinkled oh my it around gosh. myself and I wrote down um this phrase but you can write down whatever resonates for you and it was out of need, never greed, I manifest financial abundance and stability. And mm. I really like 
to express to the universe like gratitude and never take more than than what I need. Um, I think it's just like something that I carry with me from the way I was raised. Uh, but yeah, so I put this little phrase inside of the egg. I put the egg on my altar. Um, and then I worked with those herbs that I used in my ritual. So like drinking calendula and cinnamon and ginger in like a tea every day, because the more you work with something, the more you develop a relationship and intimacy with it. Mm-hmm. And the more you're reminded of your intention. So you're kind of like subconsciously continuing the ritual. Mm. But yeah, the the egg trick man, it worked really well. So much fun. And I've, I've given that ritual to a few people and, um, it, it continues on. So that's my little tidbit. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You're the second person that I've heard of that uses like cinnamon and ginger for, um, money manifestation or just money work. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play with that as well. Fun. <laughs> oh, also speaking of cinnamon, um, if Alice is not familiar, Mama Medicine is quite incredible. She's on Instagram. She always talks about using cinnamon sticks for sacred smoke. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a beautiful option, particularly with how over fond and used white sage and mm-hmm. polysanto is. So that's a great one for anyone looking to clear out old money baggage. Ooh, awesome. Okay. I'm going to write that down so that I can <laughs> procure some myself. Yeah. I, I know we're shifting gears kind of massively here, but I really wanted to hear your thoughts because it really freaks the shit out of me. The censorship online, like we were talking yes. about how the internet is and it so can be, but for me, at least I wake up every day terrified that my Instagram is going to be taken down. Yes. Um, I'm wondering just like if you want to speak on that a little bit, give you some space for that. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because we were talking a little bit ago about the internet and how amazing the internet is and how it brings people together and it creates communities and um, how it has, it's such a great place for education, particularly with sex education. And it's always like a double-edged sword for me because on the one hand, I know all of that. And then on, on the other, the internet and then particularly spaces like Instagram and Facebook, which are the largest platforms on the internet in the world, um, those spaces do not feel welcoming. They do not feel inviting for folks like me who do this work, for sex workers, um, for women, for queer people, for trans people. And it's really, really frustrating. Like I live with the threat of having my Instagram taken down and deleted for no reason every single day. And I realized a few months ago that the reason why I was habitually opening my Instagram was not because I was like, oh, I want to see what new posts are up, but because I wanted to make sure that I knew the moment my account was taken down. And because of FOSTA, SESTA passing, um, because of this new law or this new um, guideline or policy that was created within Facebook that is talking about like just using really vague and, and ambiguous uh, language about what is allowed on Facebook, what is allowed on Instagram, and what is sexually explicit or inappropriate as they like to use. Like, it's really scary out here, you know? Um, People can get their profiles taken down. They can be banned from the platform just by existing. And they're not doing anything sexually risque, you know? Like, I've seen people taken down just because they have an account where they are creating art um, that shows quote unquote female nipples and, um, they they get taken down because female nipples are not allowed to be on, on the internet. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I say all the time that Instagram is the bane of my existence because it really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a place for, for connection, but I also feel like that connection I'm not allowed to access that because of the work that I do. Um, And there have been many, many moments where I have been like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm getting off of Instagram. I'm getting off of Facebook. I'm just going to go in a hole and 
I don't know, become a nun or something. I don't know. I just get really melodramatic about this <laughs> stuff. Um, and it's it's really demoralizing, you know, when you see f- friends of yours, colleagues of yours, educators of yours getting their their work taken down. And I mean, these days too, Instagram and Facebook, like these aren't just cool social media platforms. Like this is our livelihood. This is a way that folks right. hear about our work. This is a way that folks hear about our businesses. This is a way that folks... Um, connect to the products that we sell and the gigs that we are going to be hosting and facilitating. So when our platforms get taken down, it really fucks with our ability to put food on the table. It, it messes with our ability to, to do the work that we want to do. And sometimes I get into these spirals where I'm just like, I don't care anymore. I'm just never doing this work again, because clearly this world isn't making space for me. Clearly this world is telling me and others that we are not allowed to take up space in this way. And then there are these other moments where I'm like, fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Like I'm not going to let this <laughs> puny little white man tell me what to do with my work and my business. Like, no, I'm going to continue to show up. I'm going to continue to take up space. And I'm also going to use my own witchy magic to like cast a spell of protection over me and all the other sex educators that I know and all the other sex workers that I know so that like their work and their livelihood and their profiles don't get taken down. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. It's something that I live with every single day. And, you know, I, I wax and wane between feeling like really on fire and like having a lot of energy about taking up space. And then there are some days where I'm just like, I can't do it today. Like, I just, I don't feel safe. I don't feel like I want to engage. I don't feel like I belong here. So yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. It's such a blessing and a curse. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I'm just praying that, you know, there's, I, I just hope that at some point there is another platform that we are able to use. And I know that's not necessarily the answer, but you know, the more we use Instagram and Facebook, the more we do continue to, you know, give into this company that doesn't align with the values that we need anymore. Right. So it would just be so awesome if there was this super rad like developer who was like, Hey, you know, like here's this new thing. And it's funny. We interviewed Jack the stripper and she was like, where's Slutstagram? And if we had Slutstagram, <laughs> I would be so happy. I'd be all up in it. Um, we need to make it. I know, and you know, people tell me this all the time. Like when, cause I, I'm constant, well, not these days, but like back in the day, I would talk so much about this. Like I would talk about how much I fucking hate Instagram and how Instagram is terrible and they hate women and they hate sex and they hate sex workers and they hate sex educators and that um, I'm really just sick of it. And the responses that I would get from people is like, create your own platform. Like let's make our own spaces. And like, I get why people have that instinct, but one, I am one small person. I do not know how to create a platform. Do you know how much money it takes and how much bandwidth and brain power and muscle it takes to create a platform of any size, let alone a platform that would rival something like Instagram or Facebook. So there's that. There's also the money factor in that. Like it takes a lot of money to create a platform like this. And then the other aspect of it too is that if we just say, okay, well, Instagram doesn't want us, so we'll create our own spaces, we're not holding Instagram and Facebook accountable for their shitty behavior, you know? So mm-hmm. like it gets them off the hook. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold them responsible for the ways that they are censoring folks like us and they are creating a world that is perpetuating rape culture and things like that. So I completely understand the sentiment of wanting to create a new space and I'm not necessarily against that, but I also want for folks to understand that like, it's not as easy as that. Like if someone knows of a super rich guy that we can like, and typically the most rich people on this planet are men. Like if Jeff Bezos, Jim Bezos, whatever his name is, if someone can like Talk to him and have him create Slutstagram. Let's do it. But folks like you and me, it's going to be really, really hard to get that off the ground. And so I'm not trying to deter people from that dream because I think it's a really good goal. But I also think that it's important for us to know that like, it takes a lot of money, a lot of privilege, a lot of brain power to do that. And if we were to create that, how are we holding Instagram accountable? We're not, you know? So. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it sucks. Just every every angle of this, it just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Hmm. Well, I am sad that we're almost out of time. But me too. I wish we could talk. To I you know, like and I so, I totally could. We could talk about so many more things. Uh, we'll have to have you back at some point soon. Um, but I do want to ask you our final question, which we've been asking to all of our guests, and that is: if you could give your younger self one piece of advice about sex, about sexuality, about your sexual journey, what would it be? Hmm. Oh man, there are so many things that I would say to my younger <laughs> self. Um, I think the first one that's coming up for me is really fresh on my mind because I just did a um, a post about this on Instagram uh, about how I wish someone had told me that the most important sexual relationship that you will ever have is the one that you have with yourself. Because I had poured so much time and energy and effort and importance into the sexual relationships I had with other stupid boys who didn't give a fuck about me, who didn't respect me. Um, and I, I wasted a lot of precious time to connect with myself. I just, I just wasted so much time trying to give, trying to like make myself feel like a sexual person through the eyes and the desire of the male gaze. And um, I think if I would have known back then that my relationship with myself, my sexual relationship with myself was the most important, I think I would have been in really different situations. I think I would have chosen the people that I had had sex with a lot more um a lot more critically. I would have been a lot more serious about it. And I honestly too would have been able to see my own sexual power because I'd spent so many years giving my sexual power away to other people. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that would be the advice that like, fuck all of these other dudes that you're trying to chase and like get sexually validated from. Like they don't matter. They don't even care about you or your pleasure. Focus on yourself. Like focus on the sexual relationship that you have with yourself and stay curious. Don't allow other people's shames or dogmas to deter you from your inherent nature, which is sensual and which is sexual. Mm. Oh, (laughs) drop that mic. Oh, yeah. I think my younger self needed to hear that too. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure chatting with you both. Hey there, Tosca here. So I wanted to take a quick moment to share with you all about how you can support the Sex Magic Podcast. If you haven't already, you should follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything is under Sex Magic Podcast. You can also find us at sexmagicpodcast.com and we have all of our links there. But most importantly, we recently launched our Patreon and it's really important to support us Because our collective of co-hosts offers a diverse perspective on sex and magic. Though we each come from various backgrounds and cultures, our unifying passion is to empower and explore sexuality, spirit, and the occult in a safe and approachable environment. Each week, we offer a new episode on a fresh subject in the realm of spirituality and sexuality. We interview a variety of guests, from authors to psychologists to witches and beyond. We strive to share content that is educational, inspirational, and mystical. So join us on our journey through sex magic by supporting the work we do. Every dollar goes towards propelling us forward and will allow us to continue creating podcasts. By supporting our podcast, you'll join our community and be part of the conversation. Our Patreon patrons will gain access to various resources, rituals, recipes, and behind-the-scenes access. With more funding for our Sex Magic podcast, Coven can dedicate more time to crafting sacred offerings to our supporters, sex magic courses, videos, spell books, and we really would love for you to be part of our sexy little coven. So I also wanted to take a moment to shout out a few of the patrons we have so far. Shout out to Melina Beatrice and to 
Meredith Andrews, thank you so, so much. And also a shout out to my boyfriend and to my mom. Thanks y'all for supporting. means a lot. (laughs) So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our website, and support us on Patreon. We love you and we want to continue offering these amazing podcast episodes. And we're so grateful to do that and have your support.